Here they come! Hello and welcome to episode 107 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average or duff. I'm your host Eric Moore and today I'm joined by Tim Spaulding to discuss the pod race scene in Star Wars The Phantom Menace. Oh, Finally, hello Tim. <laughs> hello. It's taken a couple of weeks to get us here, hasn't it? Yes, yeah. I was ill, and uh, you know, and I'm one of those people that's just difficult to schedule because I. <laughs> I You're a busy I'm just, boy. I, I yeah, I, I I seem to create busyness to avoid other busyness. I don't know. Hmm. But <laughs> well, you're here now, and, and yeah. you're here now, and that's the important thing. All right. All right. Are you there? Yes. Sorry, you went very quiet. It's like, oh, crap. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Here we are. Because we've just been talking before recording. Everything was fine. And yeah. as soon as I start talking, it's like, oh, no, it's not going to go wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Okay. Well, let's let's get into it because we don't know how much time we've got. All right. So, effectively speaking's first look at the Star Wars prequels. And um, you're a logical choice, I thought, to co-host because I know, you know, out of the four Star Wars in character uh, co-hosts. Uh, you're the one who rates them highest, aren't you? I uh, yeah, I'm a I, I I appreciate the prequels for what they are, um, and yeah, I, I I will I will defend two out of the three uh, to to the to the grave. But uh, yeah, the um, technicals maybe not maybe not as much, but I do there I do enjoy it but there i find i find that the the prequels are are very entertaining they don't necessarily hold the same kind of religious uh and spiritual tones that the other ones do but i, I do find them to be very entertaining mm, i don't i'm sorry but <laughs> no, I, I don't i i never have done i i never like them on release they haven't grown on me at all um and i think it, it is this thing of you know um when you only had the first one you know, all those lines that Obi-Wan says about, you know, uh, how, you know, Luke's father was a good friend. And, and then there was a young pupil that he trained who betrayed and murdered him. You know, you had like two years of wondering what what on earth is all this about, you know? Yeah. And, and then Empire Strikes Back comes along and you get the revelation of I am your father. And it's like, really? <laughs> uh, well, that's a bit of a coincidence, isn't it? And then when you get to Return of the Jedi, then you find out that tattooing, you know, this this dust ball there in the middle of nowhere that nothing ever happens is a key pivotal role to everything mm -hmm. that's happened before, you know. So, yeah. And then with the prequels, each prequel that came out, I can remember when the, um, you know, when all the publicity started up, I was looking at it, it's like, I don't know, this isn't Star Wars to me, because by that point, you know, we had like, you, you, you know, so many years without a Star Wars film, and I was used to those three, and they were my three, you know, and suddenly yeah. you've got these, like, usurpers <laughs> coming along, and uh, I didn't feel it, I didn't feel it then, and I still don't feel it now. I'm, I often wonder how it would have been if Lucas had made an episode one in 1977, 
um, you know, using that technology. Um, obviously, things there would be some changes that would have to be made. But I wonder if he if he had kept the same basic storyline, how it would have played out, and mm. like who who would have been Qui Gon, and and would it have engaged people the same way the original Star Wars did, even if you know, even with the the limitations that he had. Mm-hmm. I, I, I I have a feeling it, it, it probably would have been a, a very different film um, yeah. because of the collaboration that he was that, that he was into during the, the original trilogy. Um, and then if he had Star Wars to do on his own in, in 1999, A New Hope. Uh, I, I, yeah, it's 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 one of those like what what ifs kind of situations. Yeah. Because what you're saying there, I mean, a, a big problem I got with the prequels is the, the the fact that, as I say, you've had years of you know imagining what what a young, uh, you know, not evil Darth Vader was like, yeah. and 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 what I wasn't expecting was some like whiny, sulky brat who can't act, no yeah. charisma, no sense yeah. of danger or menace or anything. That's not Darth Vader to me. You- you know, uh, and, and and not to not to get too far off topic. You know what what cracks me up is uh, I when you watch the making of documentary on the the Phantom Menace DVD. There's this kid who is fantastic in the in the in the uh, audition role because mm-hmm. they show uh, several several different kids, and you see you see Jake Lloyd, and Jake Lloyd is still terrible. Mm. In the audition role, and he can't get his lines. But there's this one kid who knows his lines and says them perfectly. And you're like, my, oh my god, this kid is awesome. What, what, what happened? Why couldn't we get this kid? <laughs> he, uh, it's like I, I, it's like I kind of, I kind of want to like take this kid and like, even though he's probably like 33 now, edit him into the movie. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> he'd be it- so great. Yeah, I remember you mentioning that before on Star Wars in character. Yeah. You've said about this before. I can't remember that screen test. I'll have to go back and look at it. Yeah, if you, but, if you watch if you watch the making of documentary that comes on the DVD, it's it's just like it's like why why did they go with with Jake Lloyd over this kid? Mm. This this kid's fantastic. Yeah, I mean this podcast is about special effects, and and the biggest problem I've got because you know that's my hobby, that's my interest is 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 special effects, and that is that. Um, it's not just the characters, but it's the design choices that we've had in the prequels and these new Disney films is that it seems to me that all the films post return of the Jedi, they've either cribbed from the original design. So you've just got a variation or a watered down version, or they come up with a new design of a craft or an alien or something. And it's just nowhere near the standard and the quality of the ones that we had in the first three. I, I, I definitely agree on the newer, uh, well, that's, we've, had, we've had four so far. Three out of the four movies, I definitely agree on that. Mm-hmm. Of the of the new ones, of the prequel ones, I actually I actually really like for the most part the design of the environments, the design of about half of the aliens, mm-hmm. um, and for the and and I and I do like the designs of the ship. It's a different era. It's a different way of thinking, um, but for the new ones, um, like uh, Episode Seven and Eight, and and the two, I think Rogue One is the only one that really got it right uh, in yeah. terms of design, um, and, and, and yeah, the, Solo yeah. Solo to a certain extent. 
No, I don't know. Solo, the, all, the, all the new craft in the Solo film I didn't like. I like the U-Wing in, in Rogue One, but the aliens in Rogue One, I thought they were terrible. And I don't understand. I've, I've, I've seen people saying that this is like Disney. They just want their own alien creatures. So that's why you don't get a Greedo. That's why you don't get a Hammerhead. Yeah. But it would be so nice to occasionally just see a nod back to the originals, wouldn't, don't you think? I, I, I agree 100%. I, I think I've said this on... One of our best of fives about about uh, things. I, I I would like to see a hammerhead walking around. I like I like seeing new aliens, but you know it's it's kind of like okay, well we saw we we saw Greedo once. It doesn't mean Greedos are extinct. Mm. Uh, hammerheads are not extinct. Hammerheads could travel <laughs> around to places. We've we've seen that. Mm. Um, they 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 have they, they had a voice on the Senate. You know, we we see hammerheads, Greedos, walrus men. You know, I would like to see more of those. Bring in, bring in new villains, but or or uh, or aliens. I mean, but um, you know, keep keep some of the old standbys to to mm. remind us that you know there is not just one Rodian. Yes, you know, yeah. there's it's a it's a whole species. There's not just one Bosque. Yeah, I mean they did they did ponder Barber and Doctor Eversand, didn't they, in Rogue One? But, yeah, you know, you but they brought the character back, um, which which yeah, was they, nice. The which was ones, nice. They? But I, I like uh, yeah, bring, you know, show show me show me some Greedos in Episode Eight. Give me give me a give me a, a Greedo walking around in the background. Um, give me even even go deeper. Give us give us like um, the Devil Guy or the Wolfman. Bring the Wolfman. Yeah, back. yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. I think honestly, this is this is what I think, and this is this will be my last <laughs> my, my last thing on the subject. I think what it is is they have everybody that's designing and building. They have their own idea, like oh, I, I have this great idea for a for a for an alien, and I'm going to do this. And they also have the technology to make things really like visually good in real in in real life, rather mm-hmm. than taking something that's cheesy. Like a, like a Halloween mask from the late seventies, and having to work with that and make it look screen good. Yeah. Um. So and, and so you would have to work with practical things like lighting and uh, and other makeup effects on the mask to mm. make it look good. Uh, mm. I think we we with the our people have the luxury of making something look really good in in real life. But yeah. Not, but it just doesn't work on film. Yeah. Yeah, yep. you're absolutely right. I mean, what what we've just been saying there. I mean, with Phantom Menace, I think this whole thing about you know I'm I'm not too keen on on the modern aliens. It, it's a good case here because apart from Sabulba, who we're going to be talking about in the pod race scene, I thought the other pilots of the pod races they're just too cartoony. It's like Chuck Jones was <laughs> on the design team, you know? Yeah, yeah. But it was huge, though. I mean, you know, I mean, Phantom Menace was a huge film when it came out. I mean, do you remember all the uh, the anticipation and the waiting for it and everything? Oh yeah, and and I think that the lead up to it is part of why I revere this movie a little higher than other people do. I I it's there are other memories associated with the film that go beyond just the experience of watching the film. Hmm. Um, so I I I I have it's 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 a sentimental thing for me for like. That whole year lead up to it, and all the the the, especially since they the, after they released the original trailer about about six months before it came out, 
Oh, um, yes. <laughs> just basically from then on, it was like, oh, you know, you just couldn't wait. And you were just like dying for like a new image or and yeah. you were guessing who is who is Liam Neeson's character? Who is this? How awesome is this little kid going to be? He's going to be so awesome. This kid's awesome. I can't wait to see. This kid's going to be a gigantic star. And Oh, Ewan McGregor. I saw him on an episode of ER. I can't wait. And Brass is off. Come on. Yeah, train spotting. Oh, yeah, train spotting. Train spotting's in it. Yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, when that trailer came out, that was the first year I was at the Canterbury Cinema. And we did have the cases where people came along to buy a ticket to see a film that the trailer was in, watched the trailer, and then they went. They didn't stay yeah. for the main film. It was. Um, uh, I remember it was originally, in America at least, it was Meet Joe Black. It was. It yeah, that's what it was here. Yeah. yeah. And I, I actually, I, I'm st- I've still got it somewhere. I'll put it on the Facebook page. But uh, I was in the local newspaper. Me and the manager were there. They did a little feature on it that, you know, this film is coming up. And people were just coming along to see the trailer and going away. And we had this cheesy photo taken up in the projection box with me and the manager. And I got an old old bit of film, and that was meant to be the trailer. But I had an old, an old bit of 35mm on a bobbin, <laughs> you know, to stage this cheesy photo. But, yeah, people did do it. But I really do remember the first couple of days when that came out people came up dressed as jedi knights and darth vader and it, they were all excited in the queue yeah. and everything but there was that, that when they came out <laughs> they were all a bit deflated you know i can clearly remember that well i don't know i, th- I, th- I think the original trailer got people excited because no i'm talking about the main film. oh the movie oh yeah 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 oh the film itself um i i i can say i i i remember the fur the, the midnight screening coming out and not knowing how I felt. Mm. I didn't come out going, oh, like, and I didn't come out feeling like I was like exhausted. Like, like I did when I came, when I came out of like Casino Royale, mm. uh, when I saw that, um, you know, so it's in, in other movies where you just come out of me like, oh my God. Or the, most recently, uh, I guess, uh, infinity, infinity war mm. is, is one mm-hmm. where people came out and they're just like, just, just drained because you're so yes, excited. Yes. Um, I know I didn't feel that, but I I reserved it, and I, I actually went back and saw it two times the next morning. Um, so, but I and and then over the course of the summer, I think I saw it ten times in the theater. Mm-hmm. But I, I do, I do enjoy it. Um, and, but it's uh, but I I do understand many of the criticisms of it yeah i mean what you said there about coming out and you're not quite you don't quite know what to think about it um that was the way i was and i i can distinctly remember that's exactly how i felt in 83 with return of the jedi i went Mm. up to it it was a it was a cinema still then the dominion tottenham court road saw it up in there because they were showing it you you know 70 millimeter and coming out and the feeling i had coming out that was the same with the phantom menace was it was star wars but it's too kiddified, you know. Uh, what, what's with all this like kiddie friendly stuff? And it was the same feeling, you know. Yeah, I was looking for a it's... young Darth Vader. I've not, not, not Jake Lloyd. That's not <laughs> what I was expecting to get, and I wasn't expecting Jar Jar Binks to be that kiddified either. It really, and it, it, it really, it all comes down to honestly. You have you kind of have to blame Empire Strikes Back for this. Uh, it all comes, even, even though Empire Strikes Back is the most, probably the most mature of the Star Wars films, but that's when the, uh, commercialization onslaught mm. really started. I mean, with the original Star Wars, you had it, but it took, uh, it took a, a full year for it to really catch on, especially with toys. 
And then by the time Empire Strikes Back came out, it was like Empire Strikes Back game, Empire Strikes Back gum, Empire Strikes Back shoes. Mm, it was everywhere, wasn't so it? So when they saw that, they they realized, oh my gosh, this is this is a cash cow. And I and I I can vividly remember all of the Return of the Jedi stuff that was out. Mm. You know, coloring books and this, that, and whatever. Bed sheets and everything. Uh, yeah, yeah. Th- my Darth Vader eraser that I had that was, you know, one six scale and that kind of stuff. So yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. But you, you, you kind of have to blame the 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 marketing of of Empire Strikes Back. Everyone, most everyone's favorite film for being, in my in my opinion, the the absolute commercialization of Star Wars. Mm, or yeah. or you or you can blame Charles Lippincott, the the uh, the marketing director for for Lucasfilm <laughs> during during the early days. Yeah. But and and that's the way it is now, you know. If you have yep. a big big blockbuster film now, you've got merchandise, and everybody expects it now, don't they? So yeah, yeah, it, it, that, that's the way it is from now on. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, well, let's let, let's crack on. Um, as I say, this is the first time we take a look at the uh, the prequels, and I wanted to do this one because a lot of people, it's very widely thought that you know all the prequels <laughs> were all CGI, but. Uh, but it's not the case uh, with Phantom Menace. This was the last Star Wars film to really make extensive use of miniatures and models. Everybody thinks they're CGI, but they're not. Well, there's there's a lot of things that I think are CGI in this one and in um, even Attack of the Clones that I realize, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, that's that's a model. Like um, the all the interiors of Camino on. Episode two are models that that the characters are digitally inserted into, but mm. they're 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 models. And the same thing here, it's like you think. I mean, there there is there is extensive digital uh, animation, but there mm. it, it really is it it is a uh, practical models, and for I would say at least half of it. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk about the sequence, and then we'll talk about just what was CGI. And what wasn't, all right? All right. Okay, well, let's go. Um, and we're going to start the sequence where they're all lined up um, at the line. Um, I'm guessing you being a fan of this film, you know what all these pilots' names are, do you? Uh, I, 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 my, my mind isn't what it used to be. As, all right, but uh, you as did. Mads, as Mads Mikkelsen once said <laughs> in Rogue One. But uh, I, 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 I do know most of the characters, yeah. All right. Okay. Well, well. As we talk about specific things, maybe um, your memory will come back. And you can tell me who that was and everything. All right. Yep. All right. Okay. So they're just about. It's the race is just about to start. Big problem I've got with this sequence are the announcers. You know the commentators. Yeah. That crap. <laughs> they are really crap. I don't like their designs. I don't like the voices. Uh, and and that is very dated CGI. I think it looked terrible then. It looks terrible now. They're too bendy. Everything's far too bendy. I uh, I I have to agree with you on the announcers. Who's it? Greg Greg Proops. Greg Proops is one. I don't know the other guy. Scott Scott Capurro. Who? Uh, um, you know, I I actually saw him in a movie recently. I was watching. Mrs. Doubtfire, 
All and right. Scott Capuro was in it when when they're actually trying to figure out how to put the makeup on him. On oh, uh, is he there? Yeah, there's Harvey Firestein and Harvey Firestein's assistant, and what? he was Harvey Firestein's assistant. I was like, I looked at him like that looks like Scott Capuro, and like, and then I I checked IMDb. Yep, Scott Capuro. Um, All right, and and yeah, and uh, and Greg Proops who. Um, was on whose line is it anyway? Yeah, I mean over over here in the UK, we know Greg Proops. I yeah. don't know how famous he is um, in the states, but in He's the like, UK, uh, back in the the nineties, eighties and nineties, he was on a lot of the fast talking, you know, think on your feet comedy shows. He's 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 known over here, and not probably not as well as in the UK uh, for for his comedy because um, he's he's done he's done some great stuff over here, but not on the level of whose line unless. Unless you were a Comedy Central fan, and you watched watch those in America. Most people probably wouldn't right. know him here now. It, it, it's always odd to me that you know you have an American who who's better known in the UK than in America. That always seems a bit odd to me. Yeah, um, he just yeah he just had the luck of of, of getting on that on that show. Um, mm, mm. But there's another guy over here that uh, Charles Eston, Chip Eston. He. Uh, I mean, although he's now huge over here from being on the TV show Nashville, but he was on mm. that show as well in mm. some the, yep. some of the later episodes of it. Mm. Mm. So yeah, that's a bit of a, a, a damp squib, but I do <laughs> like the pod race vehicles. I love the pod races. I love yeah. all of them. The, even though I say the designs on 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 some of the prequel uh, craft and the newer films, I don't like. I do like each and every one of these pod racers. I really do like. They. They went all out here. Like it, it seemed, it it seems like after they designed the the Naboo Starfighter and 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 some of the other ships, this is really where they went hog wild. And um, yeah, and the the each one is is fantastic. And and uh, and surprisingly, the one that I'm most disappointed with is Anakin's. Mm-hmm. Every <laughs> everybody else has fantastic. I mean, and, 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 and maybe this is by by design because he is a slave and he he had to he had to use what he had to work with. Everybody else has right. these gigantic, fancy ones, and he he just has this little one. But even still, the, I I, I kind of wish it would looked a little more clunky, but a little and maybe maybe a little less even. There is a reason for it, which we'll talk about on behind the scenes. Okay, <laughs> there is a reason why his one looks dis- distinctly, you know, plain. compared to the others but we'll talk about that in behind the scenes all right and so yeah i love the pod racers but that's countered by those pit droids the comedy (laughs) pit droids no 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 no. yeah i mean the comedy the the comedy i'm okay with it it's it is sort of cartoonish warner brothers even throughout the whole thing there's there is a little bit of a wily coyote uh Mm. kind of thing going on but uh the the pit droids they don't. They don't really bother me. And some of the some of the uh, some of the humor I find actually pretty genuine. Yeah, some of it is. But yeah, I mean, of course, this isn't aimed at me. The pit droids aren't aimed at me. Jar Jar Binks aren't isn't aimed at me. It's aimed at the you know eight, ten, twelve year olds, isn't mm. it? You know, yeah. it, and I'm sure it works on that level, but uh, not for me. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, this this whole thing before they start off about the flags moving out onto the track is that a thing in America? Is that what you do at, at dragster races? Somebody goes the, out with the flags. Well, I don't. I'm not a big race person. I I don't. I don't think it's quite like that. But what they do, what they do at the races is they they generally will do a lap or two around 
so that everybody in the in the track can see their favorite people like oh there's jeff uh gordon and and right. so they can see or, or or whoever whoever number 12 is like oh there's number 12 and so they can go and get a picture of the cars are going by um so i think i think that's kind of it maybe that 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 might be something maybe in certain levels of horse racing i don't i don't really know but it's, I don't know. Or, or, or you, but I, in, in, uh, in like chariot racing, in, in, because I know they based a lot of this on Spartacus. Mm, yeah. In Spartacus, do they do something like that? It's been a while since I've seen Spartacus. Where I, it's they, been a long time since I've seen Spartacus. Where they have a parade. But I wouldn't or, be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if there is some sort of dragster racing because of, you know, George Lucas, um, <clears throat> you know, that was one of his passions growing up, wasn't yeah. it? You know, dragster racing and that. So I wouldn't be surprised. But I, I I like while I think while I think the the announcement is is annoying um, and I think that the flag bearing scene is is too long especially now on the DVD where they've they've extended the cut um, right that was a question I had for you because I remember you saying on one of the Star Wars in character episodes about how on DVD or Blu-ray they've actually put footage back in again they've 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 extended and they've they've introduced all of the um, pod races, which they didn't do in the movie and in the or in the theatrical release. In the theatrical release, they cut out the entire second lap. I think. Oh right. right. So the, the 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 entire scene is a good five or six minutes shorter uh, when you saw it in the original oh, right. theatrical release. Yeah. But um, but yeah, they uh, they the 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 flag bearing scene. It just it seems like it takes forever. It's like you want to like get up and like. You know, start making cream puffs and a steak, and then come yeah. back, and, and so you can watch the race. It, it's, it, it's all very well, you know, when you've got a Blu-ray release. You know, you put in footage that was trimmed, <clears> but <throat> it's like the Lord of the Rings films. So much of the stuff is put in, it just makes it longer for no that that, that there's no gain in doing it. it yeah, just, it just drags things out a bit more. It's and and yeah, you, you have to be pretty frugal with. With your scenes, it's it's fun to it's fun to see added things in there if if it if it really does enhance it. Um, but in this, I don't think the flag bearing enhances it. I think the 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 addition of the of the second lap definitely mm. you get the full race. But yeah, that's where you do it. Yeah, you don't just put some flags in. I don't I don't need <laughs> to I don't need to hear everybody and hey, Ben Quadraneros, you know. Mm. Mm. So I don't I don't necessarily need to see everybody like waving their hands and no. Mars glow. Yeah. Maybe that was done because, you know, it, when that was originally going to be in the theatrical release, it was a way of giving every toy that's coming out a nice big close-up, <laughs> yeah. you know? So all the kids go, oh, I want that one. I want that yeah. funny one. You know, Five ninety nine at Woolworths. Yeah, they should have just had an advert along the bottom. Yeah. 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 Uh, the next bit that happens is a bit duff, and that's uh, where we see Jabba the Hutt, a really poor <laughs> Jabba the Hutt. That is... I, truly bad, as well as Bib Fortuna. Bib Fortuna That's a really bad yeah. Bib Fortuna next to him. Oh dear. That yeah they uh, they should have they should have left Tajaba out. Um, mm. If you can't do it right, don't do it at all. They 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 probably should have had someone else. Because that's that, that, that's like special edition Jabba the Hutt, isn't it? In, in Docking Bay ninety four, yeah, it, things it, haven't improved since. Then. No, and and honestly. When they were doing the effects for this, it was like a, it was probably like a, like a year, year and a half out from that, and and, and actually, I don't know mm. if this was a step forward or a step back. 
Uh, it looks on par. At the very least, it looks on par with <laughs> yeah. the awfulness of that one. Oh, no, the original it's very one. bad. They've they've since improved that one in the subsequent releases, but of of uh, of the um, um, special edition Jabba, mm. but uh, but this one, yeah, it's it's it's, poor. it's pretty pretty bad, and and some of the humor in it is kind of. I don't. Like, eh. I don't mind the biting of the head off the frog and spitting it at the gong. That is that. That's a jabber moment. I, I. I don't mind that. I like. That. I don't. I don't know. I think. I think that's too flashy for Jabba. I think. I think oh, that, do you think? Yeah, I think. I think for him, even that is too much work for him. I, I think. I think the. I think the the part with him flicking the little things off of the ledge is more on par with the mm. things that he would do. Like he he wouldn't put much effort into killing something, but. If he if he just puts his hand on a table and flicks it, that's like his level of. No, I I don't mind it because to that, for me that says you know about you know his total disregard for life that he will just <laughs> kill an animal just to make the gong go you know. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. I don't know. All right. Agree uh, or disagree? Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. Bong goes the 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 gong and they're off. Um. But Anakin stalls. Um, and, and we go over to the stalls where his mates are, and you could see Warwick Davis there, don't you? Out, yeah. out, of, uh, out of makeup and rubber. And that is some bad acting from Warwick Davis. I've got a lot of time for Warwick Davis, but that, that, those <laughs> couple of times you see him and he's sort of like grinning and pointing, that is some really poor acting, I think. The, the, that's him in the stands, Weasel, right? Yeah. 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 And, and, and that character shows up again uh, in... in uh... Uh, one of the one of the movies. Um... Oh, wasn't he? He's in Solo, isn't he? Yeah, he's in, yeah, he's in Solo. I was I was trying to think of like what yeah. movie was he in? Was like, yeah, he was he was he's he was one of that, the... that gang in yeah. Solo, and he's yeah. he's playing he's he's playing the same character. So Weasel mm. eventually joins up with Enfys Nest. Yeah, it's that flaming coincidence again. <laughs> I don't like it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, Anakin stalls, but he's up, eventually he's up and he's off. And, uh, you know, old Natalie Portman's there, Liam Neeson and his mum and that. And watching it now, they're, they're watching it on a tablet. That, 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 that was yeah. a bit of foresight, wasn't it? That, that <laughs> looks like a modern day tablet. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, who, who would have who thought that, that this was, that, you know, 15, 10, 15 years later. I don't, I'm not sure when the first iPads came out. But yeah, it's uh, they were a little little foreshadowing there. Of real certainly life, uh, does technology. look like one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I th- I think as as the pod race starts and you know and off they go and thrills and spills and everything. I thought it'd be a, a good time to mention sound here. Um, uh, yeah, because I think it's great that I don't know whose decision it was to hold off on the music until the very end uh, of of the thing. But I I, I think. The fact that all we've got is Ben Burt's excellent sound mix, and especially Sebulba's vehicle, mm-hmm. um, really adds to it. Yeah, uh, uh, the you, I don't I don't think you need the music. I think, yeah, that that mix of sound, that variety. Uh, each pod race has its own sound and. And some bulbas with that boom, 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 boom. I wish my car made that noise. <laughs> I'd like to record that and have some speakers underneath yeah. the car. Just boom, so you boom, go, boom, 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 Oh, man. <laughs> it's, I, 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 I think of all of the vehicles in, in the entire prequel uh, series, Sebulba's Pod Racer is my favorite for on all levels. I think yep. design-wise, I think the sound, everything about it, I love it. I love that 
vehicle. I like him as well. I like him as a character, and mm. I like him as a design. You know, yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, no, no, it's terrific. Um, and yeah, the sound does sell that. Yeah, I mean, if like it, if, it, if, it, if it had a sound like it wouldn't be the same. Yeah, it'd be like uh, it matches the meanness of yeah. him, and it matches the meanness of the design of his pod racer, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, it's it's very very cool. It's yeah. It's it's one of those things that every time it's on, you when you hear that sound coming from your TV, you're like, mm. it, it is. It's it's just the, the the only the only word to really use now is is it's it's satisfying. Yes. Yeah. In for for a lot, and I think for a lot of people, uh, like that that for for a lot of people who really dislike the prequels. To find something that is supremely satisfying in this in this uh, haystack is mm-hmm. is is pretty, you know, you're, you're you're excited by that. So I I can see like for you not liking the film generally as a whole to find something that's satisfying mm-hmm. is like yes. I did used to watch this. I mean, what I used to do was I would time I would work, I, I, I would time how far into the film the pod race started mm-hmm. and also the Darth Maul scene at the end. Um, and then just go in and just watch those two segments. That's the luxury of being a projectionist. You can do things <laughs> like that, you see. So I did watch this film an awful lot, but just those two scenes. Yeah, it's uh, th- th- and those are the, the those really are the scenes to watch. It, it is kind of slow moving. Uh, up up until this point, it is relatively slow moving. There's very little like actual action mm. for the first half of the movie, and then do you th- there's smatterings of action. But do you think? I, am I right in saying this is your favorite of the prequels? It, it is. It is. Uh, even even with its flaws, I, I I can go back and watch this one over and over again. But right, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you. The middle one, Attack of the Clones, um, um, is the is the weakest for me. But what about if Phantom Menace didn't actually have the pod race scene and it didn't have the Darth Maul? battle do you think it would lessen as a film would it be down nearer to attack of the clones if you didn't have these two standout scenes um uh well i mean just just knowing how filmmaking is i think he uh, lucas would have had to have known to have put some sort of action sequence in um but it 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 possibly could have the only other action sequence i can see if 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 there isn't if the pod race isn't there, the the only other action sequence I can see in this part of the movie would have been there would have been some sort of fight to free Anakin from slavery. Mm. So well, I saw I saw somewhere that an early draft the pod race was at was the third act of the film. The pod oh. race was at the end, and he went off after the pod race, and and it was going to be insanely long. It would be like you know Battle of Hoth style length, <laughs> you know. Um, after seeing what we get on the Blu-ray, which it does go on a bit too long um, with all the extra bits put in, um, I, th- I think it was a good decision to have it up, you know, at the end of the first act or whatever. Yeah, it 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 basically mm. is a good yeah transition uh, from this story arc to mm. the next one. Mm. It, it gives it gives a reason for Tatooine to end and and Anakin to leave the planet. Yeah, and yeah. go on. 
Um, next up, um, nice little nod because we get Tuscan right Raiders, don't we? Yeah. Opening fire. Was that bit where you know the Tuscan Raider does the the, the holding up of the uh, gun and doing his like victory thing? Was that in the theatrical one, or has that been put in for the? Yeah, Blu-ray? I I seem to remember that one. That, that right. being in there, because um, I remember people people laughing at that. I know people laughed at the, the gunshot mm. uh, later on, but. Uh, because he takes one down, doesn't he? he takes, yeah, that, he that, takes. Don't he they takes, take take down one? He takes someone out, and then uh, yeah, and then. But I, I do. I remember. I remember when that happened. People, people laughing. People finding it funny uh, in the theater. Uh, one of those like, ha, 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 mm-hmm. he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing. Well, so this is all very enjoyable. I'm enjoying all this. You know, yeah. that they're, they're going around and everything. Unfortunately, we cut back to that that. Again, um, quite juvenile comedy with the pit droids and the uh, the pit droid being sucked into the yeah. engine. Kibasa, kibasa, kibasa. Oh, you fan. <laughs> you fan. Because <laughs> he goes into the fan, doesn't he? He goes in yeah. the engine and comes out the other side because this is very... <laughs> and he, uh, does, you... he does that very... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, oh, this it, it is Looney Tunes, isn't it? Yeah, that, that, it, that, that's a Daffy Duck moment. It really, it, it it really is. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. again. It it. Uh, I mean, uh, this this is one of those things where someone probably should have stepped in to have Lucas ramp back. It's like, okay, you can have Jar Jar, mm. or you can have this. Yeah. But you can't have both. It's too much, isn't that's, it? That's it, it. That's that's one of those. That's one of those things. And um, but I mean, Lucas also was he had he had small children at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, I, th- I think his world was sort of enveloped in this kind of humor, like mm-hmm. you know, like Daddy, I I farted, and he's like, oh, oh yeah, that into a movie. We we we, we uh, conveniently went past the fart joke just before it <laughs> yeah. starts with that 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 thing cr- uh, farting in Jar Jar Binks' yeah. face. Yeah, I mm. mean, uh, I mean, I, I'm I'm one of those people that that in that will live and die by the quote farts are funny, but I don't necessarily need it in my Star Wars movie. No, no. <clears throat> Somebody said, didn't they, with the Force Awakens when uh, Finn goes and has that drink of water? Yeah. Uh, near the beginning, and you got that big creature there. If George Lucas had directed it, that it would have farted. It would have. There would have been a fart. We <laughs> we got to see a, a a good shot of its butt. Uh, yeah. But yes, uh, George Lucas, he would not be content with just a butt shot. It would no. have to, yeah, there would yeah, have to yeah, be yeah. a shot from the butt. <laughs> All right. Well, well, Sabulba, you know, he's he's playing up to his character because he's nobbling the other uh, races, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's up to dirty tricks. And um, and in in the middle of that, Anakin loses that hose uh, from one of the his engines. Yeah. And he manages to pull it back in. I wish we'd seen more of this in the older Anakin in the next two films. We never really see any more about how he can improvise and, and technologically how, you know, astute he is. We never have yeah. another instance of it, apart from at the end of this where he's trying to get his starfighter to, to work. But, you know, grown-up Anakin wasn't like this, was he? No, I mean, they would show him tinkering on things. Like, I, I, I seem to remember him tinkering on some stuff in, in uh, Episode 2, here and there, but like it was, uh, it was almost unnoticeable. And in the right. Clone Wars, they 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 sort of do a little bit of that on the in the the, the animated series. They kind of show, they kind of hint at at how you know 
good he is at like tinkering and model building and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But okay. uh, yeah, that 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 probably would have been a, an interesting um, character quirk if if when he's having a conversation with someone, he's constantly like creating or or like doing like a Rubik's cube kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I like this bit. I like this bit. I like the fact that you know the the, the young kid can do this. I like mm-hmm. I like the design work of his. Uh, uh, cockpit interior, you know, it's all very yeah. in keeping with what we saw in the first uh, Star Wars film that came out. You know, this uh, this um, you know old junk look to everything. No, that's really really good. Mm. Um, the next bit's not really good. We're back to those announcers, and <laughs> I hate uh, it's such a crap line. I don't care what universe you're from. That's gotta hurt. That's gotta hurt. But there's only one universe, George. There are <laughs> there are galaxies. It's a galaxy far, far away, not a universe far, far away. There's one universe that our galaxies are in. You know, that's a terrible. Yeah, line. that's I. I never picked up on that. As a, oh, it's it's crap. <laughs> <laughs> but um, um, Anakin is neck and neck with Sabulba at this point now, and um, but Anakin is he's forced up that service ramp, isn't he? Yeah, uh, I don't like that service ramp. That's too Earth-like, you know. That you can't go up the ramp, so you put a, a board across. I mean, you know, <laughs> that's that, that's too uh, real-worldy for me. I do like the way he, he shoots up into the air, though. Turn comes yeah. round, does his engine bit, and comes back down again. This inference that he is a great pilot, that he's got this natural ability. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, it, and and even the way even the way that that looks with him coming up. This is even before like the 3D and you you really get that sense of depth and and you you do get a, a third dimension feel as he's coming up into the sky so no, that's in terms good. of it's cool. in terms of animation it, it it really is a it really is a a, a pretty well uh put together shot mm, mm. and he comes down and you know he manages to fix everything and he catches the bulb up i think it's yeah. at this point where the music kicks in doesn't yeah. it yeah, yeah, you know for the this, final this is part. this is where he, yeah he's he's on the final uh, yeah the final run yeah, and they knock together and they get stuck together. The veins on their um, pod racers get yep. stuck together, don't they? And uh, Subulba manages to detach, and uh, but then crashes, doesn't he? And yeah. Pudu, uh, Pudu, it, it ends with a Pudu. Yes, George, well done. <laughs> which, which I, I'm assuming that his, we'll call it his sled. I don't know his cockpit. That that. Is is that that was practical? They they actually used a real yes thing yep. and slid that because I I've always said that looks so real. I mean, he yep. doesn't necessarily look real, but he he looks real enough. But I always thought that his cockpit like sliding was like oh that's so great. Look at yeah, that. I'm getting ahead of myself, but yeah, to uh, do that they actually did have a full size one and they had it on a, uh, a a a gimbal which was buried in the sand and they pulled it along. But when they first filmed it, it just like slid to a halt, and and there was no uh, abrupt end. So what they then did was under the sand, they that they, they uh, buried a block. Yeah. So as it came along, it physically hit this block, and that's when it got, that, that does that thing where the nose comes down and the back comes up and backs yeah. down again. You know, physical effect, and uh, and because of that, that looks great still now, doesn't it? Hmm. Hmm. Mm. All right, so that's it. Our sequence ends with a poodoo, doesn't it? <laughs> so um, uh, with the sequence over, we'll go on to behind the scenes. And I thought we'll start with the terrain first, okay? Um, now, in the script, this Moss Esper arena, it was meant to seat 
500,000 spectators. That's an awful lot of people, isn't it? Half a million yes. people yeah. turn up for this uh, for this race. You wouldn't think there was half a million people on Tatooine, would you? <laughs> yeah, people, uh, people had to tra- travel in. Yeah, so of course that's too big. You can't make that, you, you know, full size. So what they did was only a few sections of the arena was built full as full size sets. The rest were done as miniatures. Now, uh, the, the, now this this is just me. It seems weird I, when when you when you go to a when you go to a, um, a racing event. Generally, it's a loop. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you you have you have your grandstand and you can see the entire race. Mm-hmm. With this one, you have a very a comparatively small grandstand that you can only really see them at the beginning and the end of the of of yep. the of the laps. It, it seems like kind of like why would I go to that if I'm just going to be sitting there in the hot sun watching something on a screen? Well, the... I think I think number one is the fact these are so fast. They you can't have a small race. You can't have a Spartacus style. You yeah. know, round and round and round. It's like <laughs> it's it's like if you've got a Scalextrix set and it was the smallest smallest circle everyone would just fall off if they tried yeah. going fast um but you know near near me we've got a quite a famous uh uh racetrack called brands hatch mm-hmm. and um there yeah I, I i went to a couple in the 70s and it's before you had big tvs so wherever you were you just stand in there and you have like half a second of watching the cars <laughs> or the motorbike goes past and you've got to wait for them to come around again that's what it was like yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I for I, I may, maybe it's just me. I just don't see the appeal to going to an event like that where you only see it like, zoom. okay, mm. well, I'm going to get a hot dog. <laughs> so what they did is they they made a model of the arena because they couldn't make it full yeah. size. They made a model of the arena of, of the arena and they made it as big as they could with the space they had and the money they had, and it came out about forty feet across. Yeah, All right. I've seen now, I've seen photos of it, and it's it's impressive. It's impressive yeah, it is model. impressive. When you were a lad, yeah, when you were a lad, did you ever make model kits? I I made a few. I had some car ones. I had some Star Wars ones. Um, I was never good at it. Uh, right. Um, like the glue ones, I could never get it so that the glue didn't show. Mm. Um, I could. I was never good at painting them. Um, I was better with the the snap together ones, which I don't even know if they still make snap. Oh no, they do. They and they do uh, Star Wars snap together kits. It's a way of introducing you know yeah. young people or people who have never made a model into the modeling hobby. Oh yeah, yeah. they they still make them. But uh, no, the reason I ask that is um, if you go into a model shop and uh, buy like uh, you know a World War Two plane like Spitfire or a Messerschmitt, they're usually one seventy second scale. All right, what's mm-hmm. called one seventy second scale, and that's the most common scale you, you get for military aircraft and a lot of tanks. And uh, and that's where one uh, seventy second scale. That means a six foot man. Uh, measures one inch. So a 172nd okay. figure is one inch. And this arena was 172nd scale, and it was still 40 feet across. <laughs> so if you imagine in that model uh, that's 40 feet across, a person is only one inch tall. That gives you the idea of the, the immensity of this arena. Yeah. But even though they made it a 172nd, the scale was too small for any tight close-up shot. So what they did then was they made larger scale uh, miniatures for various sets okay um jabber's box okay and and the start finishing gate were built at one quarter scale which would mm. mean an, an average man would be 18 inches tall okay and jabber's box was 
created as a miniature because everybody that's in that is either CGI or you are live action like Viv Fortuna and George Lucas's daughter but they were uh, that they were green screened and inserted mm-hmm. in so you, you know there's separate elements that were put into that box that box is just a miniature with these various characters inserted into it okay um quite gone's uh, viewing platform and 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 around that that was one eighth scale um, one eight scale means a man was nine inches tall. Okay, <laughs> and what they did, uh, they did use CGI in this. They used CGI for the crowds on the staircases and the walkways and the racetrack. Mm-hmm. Okay, and what they did is they, they 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 created all these characters and they they put an algorithm into them that they would move towards uh, attractors which they nicknamed carrots, and away from repulsors, which they nicknamed skunks. So what you did is you just literally made hundreds of these, and they would walk to any of the carrots, but they would keep away from any of the skunks. So that, yeah. that way you would have a CGI, a CGI crowd that just mingled around, okay? Yeah. Hmm. And uh, in Tunisia, one section of the stand was built full-size for close-up of the extras, okay? And so you had some extras near the camera, and then added in were blue screenshots of ILM employees who were layered on and built up. The next bit I know you know about because you've mentioned this on Star Wars in character, all right? So forgive me for this, but you know this bit already, Tim. Um, for the really wide shots of the, of the stands, uh, while they were researching real sporting events footage, they realized that what stood out in the distance weren't details but more colors, you mm-hmm. just saw colours and you didn't see much movement. And so it was a guy by the name of Michael Lynch who came up with the idea of using what? Uh, Q-tips or cotton yep. swabs. <laughs> yeah, cotton, cotton buds for our UK um, uh, listeners. Yeah, they, they are just painted cotton bud tips, aren't they? Yeah. And it, 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 it works when you, when you see it. It works. It's, it's, just, it's just basically Q-tips. Yeah, dipped in red, blue, green, Roy Biv colors, and uh, yep. yeah, and just scat- and and put in there. I don't I don't know how many how many they used for a for the section, but it's it's a lot. Of- it's a lot. It's a lot. I saw it. Um, um, there was a Star Wars exhibition up in London. Mm-hmm. Um, going back, oh, God, how far ago was that? More than ten years ago now, that and like that's when power, I met the power of myth. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Was it Barbican or? It it was right by the London Eye. Uh, It's where the London Aquarium is and everything. And uh, yeah, because that was on the train ride home that uh, we met Ken Colley, our Admiral Piet, and that's when my friendship with Admiral Piet started. But yeah, yeah, they were there, and you study it, and it's like bloody hell. They are just cotton buds, you know. And there was hundreds and hundreds of them. And apparently, they um, they actually put a a fan underneath the stand so they did actually move a little bit they just wobbled a little bit you know and i think that's terrific you know you that 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 is something georges melier would have done you know back in about 1899 yeah i mean that's as that's a that's as practical an effect as as you can make it's just like yeah you 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 get some clay (laughs) you you mold it into a shape and if you want to shoot it from uh, the equivalent of of a half mile away, you just yeah, you put put Q tips yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, no, I I think that's terrific. I I was at um, <clears throat> one of the science museums here. There was a Star Wars exhibit several years back, and they had and, and they had a room in the, and I didn't go in it 
but they had a room that little kids could go in and do uh, and, and and like play, and they had pod race, and they and they had built a pod race arena in this little playroom, and it it was, I mean, it not not as good as the one that you see in the movie, but for for this little museum to build it in a playroom, they did a a really good job creating a a uh, a grandstand. I wish I had taken a picture of it. I, it yeah, was, you should have. It was it was this this is going back uh, six or seven years ago at at the Rocket Center down in Huntsville, Alabama, and they had a Star Wars exhibit there, and it, and and they had this cool little play thing going on. But uh, yeah, it's uh, um, they they did they did a really good job recreating that. Um, on a budget and mm-hmm. uh, to make it when you look at it, you're like, Oh, that's the, that's the arena. So it right. was instantly recognizable. Yeah. 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 All right. The terrain, we'll, we'll, we'll just have a quick talk about the terrain and uh, the terrain, which I always think is very um, uh, wily Co- coyote and road runner yeah. where you've got these messes standing up, you know, that, 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 that the beautiful, um, reminiscent of that beautiful scenery you've got over there in the states. Um, yeah, they uh, that they were deliberately made distinctive, and the reason for that was so that the audience would recognise them each time the pod racers went by. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, the, you would see the arcs, and there was the yeah, there were there were several standout uh, rocks that yeah, yes. There was one called the Mushroom Mesa, okay, <laughs> um, uh, which does look like a mushroom, uh, and that was sculpted and then photographed outdoors in the ILM car park, okay. See, I, I, now I always assumed that these were CGI. I always assumed that this stuff wasn't practical. That this was no, actually... no. These are all practical. Oh. No, these are practical. Um, you've got that one. You've got something called Arch Canyon where you have mm-hmm. got the arches there. Yeah, and that was made from eight arches made from foam and plaster. And each hmm. of them was only about 18 inches across. So, you know, it's a pretty miniature miniature, that one. Um, and then you've got something called Jag Crag. And that's the one, it's like Beggar's Canyon. It's it, it, it's the one, the real narrow thing with the very, very tall sides. Yeah. Where it gets all very dark when you're yeah, going sort through of, there. Yeah, it's sort of, it's kind of like a... It's almost like a wormhole, but the top of the wormhole has been cut off. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've never been able to see it, but apparently if you look closely, as, as they're going through that, you can see they're crashed. There's a pod racer from a previous race. Oh, just, I've never noticed just that. Just in there. Yeah. I've got a photo which I'll put on Facebook, but I, I've never seen it. They're moving so flaming fast, aren't yeah. they? You know, you haven't got a chance. Um, moving on to the pod racers themselves then. Um, heading up the special effects for this sequence was Doug Chiang. Who, who got Jay Schuster on board for designing the craft. Um, it was supposed to only take two weeks to do, but it eventually, eventually spun out into two years. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know in whose mind they thought that they could do that in two weeks. Honestly. I don't know. I don't That's, know. It's like, uh, yeah, uh, give it two weeks. Uh, what? <laughs> two weeks? But, yeah, yeah, no. But this this Jay was chosen uh, because he had grown up in Detroit. You know, his family were all in the car industry. Uh-huh. And he, he, like George Lucas, had a deep-rooted love for automobile design. And uh, and he approached the challenge on two fronts. He he did the, the sketching, but he also did what I do, which is kit bashing. You know, mm-hmm. where you buy up model kits and you cut them up, you turn them around and repurpose them into other things. Okay. And uh, by doing that, they, they, he created 23 vehicles, mm. okay? 
Uh, oh no, so, sorry, in all there were 23 vehicles because there were several done over here uh, by guys by the name of Garen Bokeh and Kung Chang. And, and out of those 23 unique vehicles, it was eventually whittled down to 18. Okay. Yeah. Um, George Lucas gave them a lot of artistic freedom, but he, and this is the reason why I think uh, Anakin's one looks so plain, George L Lucas oversaw the design of Anakin's craft, and mm -hmm. he wanted them to emulate the Maserati birdcage, which was a favorite <laughs> car of his from his youth. Okay. Now, I don't know what a Maserati birdcage looks like. I'll, I'll have to Google it and put yeah, it on Facebook. Right. But, I'll have to do but, I'm going to do it on my phone right now. All right. Okay. I, I don't trust my computer to do that, so I'll <laughs> let you do that. But I think that's the reason. Because he said, no, it's got to resemble that. That's why it isn't as outlandish as some of the other designs or as distinctive. Um, have you got it there? Yeah. Uh, uh. I can I can kind of see how the cockpit would resemble that, right? But uh, the rest of the rest of the thing maybe not so much. But I can see right. how the cockpit would definitely. Oh uh, right, right. Uh, while you got your phone there, yeah. can you yeah. type in A ten Warhog? A ten Warhog. Yeah. War, war, uh, there we go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. It's a plane, isn't it? Uh yeah. Yeah, that's the basis of, for Sebulba's craft, okay? okay um, I, can, I can see that with these gig, gigantic uh, engines that are overly compensating for something small. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, I mean, what Jay did there, he, he got a model of an A-10 Warhog. He cut the model in half, turned it around so that the front gun was sticking out the back, and that was the basis of his design, and okay. then went from there. Um, the finished pod racers were given distinctive paint schemes um, inspired by the logos from professional uh, racing circuit cars. Um, also other art that was used were arabesque patterns, Japanese characters and Native American designs. Mm. And I do, I, I do like the paint jobs on these pod racers. I like the yeah. designs of them. I like the color schemes. I like the way that they're all weathered and beaten as well. And and uh, with the with the paint schemes and the and the, the logos on the at the beginning when they do the the, the flag ceremony, mm. well well I, I don't like necessarily like the um, the length of everybody being announced and and the and the annoying announcers. I do like that that shot of all of the flag bearers going out there and even like with and and C three PO going out there mm. with where you have the heat. Uh, uh, the uh, the where the light is sort of or the the image is distorted because of the heat um, from a distance. You see, you know, they got that wobbly look. Mm. Uh, I I I always really like that. I always thought that looked really cool. It's for the most part, it's yeah. practical with a little bit of digital because they had to take out Michael Lynch, who was the the uh, puppeteer for for mm. um, uh, C three PO. But they had to take out some of that stuff, but. I always thought that was a very, very cool shot right at the beginning of the race. I think that's good because, you know, it's real world. You would have a yeah. heat haze. It's just something that you can add on there to, to, to sell the effect more, mm -hmm. isn't it? Yeah. Right. Now, the pod races themselves. Okay. I'm, I'm going to say some names and people listening to this might not know who the heck I'm, I'm yeah. talking about. But, but go to the Facebook page when this episode comes out and you can see who I'm talking about. Okay. The pod race pilots. Um George Lucas wanted each pilot to have a distinctive look, all right? Um, and responsible for them were P 
people by the name of Howie Weed, Sonny Way, and Alison Markle. All right. Now, Sebulba, we all know who Sebulba is. Sebulba's yeah. uh, um, basis was the body of a gibbon and the head of a camel. Okay. Uh, okay. I can see that. Yeah. And his walking on his hands and driving his, with his feet, that was a last minute afterthought by George Lucas. He was never going to do that. And, it, and then all of a sudden he's like, well, why doesn't he drive with his feet and walk on his hands? Which I think is terrific. I think that's a really good idea. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, some of these pilots I'm going to mention, I'm going to mention them because apparently they were, they, they were based on uh, real people. Okay. okay. Now, if I tell you a person and who they're based on, would you say yes or no? Because only one out of these three I'm going to mention can I go, oh, yeah, I can see what they're getting at, okay. right? Right. Ben Quadranaros, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, don't you? he's uh, got the, the forearms and the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was based on Fatty Arbuckle. Um... Now, now, apart from him being fat, that's about yeah. it, really, isn't it? Well, I mean, Ben, ben Cardinaris, he's got a big hes got a big face. He's got a very childlike face. So Fatty Arbuckle had that kind of, like, baby fat face. Yeah. So I, I can i can kind of see it basing on his face, but, yeah, body-wise, body because Ben Cardinaris wasn't a, wasn't a, uh, a fat character, but, he, but I, could, I, could see, I could see the childlike, chubby mm. face there okay. working. All right. The next one, I can see it. Uh, Rats Tyrell. Yeah. All right. Uh, he's that one that does that little scream, doesn't it? Yeah. When he when, yeah. when he stacks it. Yeah. That's the one. Carl, you do that much better than me. <laughs> he he was based on Joe Pesci. Okay. I could definitely see that. Or yeah. Pecci. I'm oh, sorry. My wife's saying it's Pecci. Joe, Joe <laughs> Pecci. Um, yeah, I can see that. When Leo but the wants, next one, Leo this gets. is once... <laughs> this one, right? I, it's like, yeah, no. Uh I don't even know how to pronounce. Uh, Casgano. He was the one who yeah, okay. uh, like, like spider. Yeah, yeah, the the the, uh, the Q-tippy guy. He was uh, uh, based on Michael York in the Three Musketeers. Um, maybe <laughs> maybe facially again, not not bo- not not body wise. If I was maybe Michael York, they... I'd sue over that. <laughs> yeah. Mm. What's, what's Michael York's name in, in Austin Powers? Is Basil Exposition? Oh, he's ba- ba- Basil Exposition, isn't he? Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> is, did, oh. Has Michael York did he pass away? Is he no, still he's, alive, no, right? he's. I, I th- I'm sure he's still with us. I'm sure he's okay. still with us. For yeah. some reason, I, 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 I got the idea that he passed away. But, yeah. Mm. All right. Um, now, uh, a few years ago, not that one I was talking about, that exhibition, but I went to another Star Wars exhibition, uh, which was out, what, two years ago, I think it was. It was very recent, um, up at the O2 Centre in London, and uh, they had tons of the models and mm. the props and the masks, and they had an awful lot of maquettes for these pod racers, you know, yeah. you know. going back to, you know, Return of the Jedi, that you would sculpt a little, like, foot-high maquette of various designs but they had they had full-size heads of a lot of them okay and um and i when i went up to that exhibition i thought well it's a bit elaborate seeing as that's not the final design and there was one called dud bolt who's my favorite pod racer you know he's almost got like an alligator's face hasn't he yeah um he was there and it was incredibly elaborate and and i was thinking well, if this is just like an initial design thing, that's an awful lot of effort and finish because it was a full paint job. But then yeah. looking into the special effects for this, um, 
<coughs> I saw that many of the drivers on location, because you know they did, they did build some of the pod races on location in Tunisia, mm-hmm. um, and they did have drivers. And, um, and and of course they're you know they, they would be removed and put in by CGI, but they it says they were wearing masks. So I'm just wondering if th- those ones I saw in that exhibit were actual wearable masks. In which case, it wasn't something covered in ping pong balls. They were actual. It, they were the real deal. There were a few. I know Mohanic, which was the reuse one. That was Danny Wagner in a costume. Right. So some of them were people in in costume. Uh, I, but I, I I can't. I can't off the top of my head remember all of them, but I know I know the Mohonic one was definitely I guess I guess based on the ones that you would look at and say they could fit a human in there are yes. probably gonna be more practical. Yeah. yeah. Um the yeah. like the some of them you, you yeah, you're you're not gonna be able to stick a person in the, in that in that character. Mm, mm. Um But uh, yeah, uh, as I say, this is at the start up. This isn't during the race, this is uh, on the yeah. starting grid. Um, and yeah, they had nine full-size pod racers, mm-hmm. uh, which were built here in England and then flown to Tunisia in a giant Russian cargo plane. I, I would love to have seen that, yeah. wouldn't you? <laughs> and can you imagine the logistics of of moving that stuff? I think I know. I know. Uh, Roger Christian had a lot to do with the original Star Wars. And he well, didn't... I asked him that. I, I, I said to him, because I've interviewed him for this uh, podcast, and I said, well, how did you get all that junk down to um, down to Tunisia? And he said, oh, it went by boat, went by ship, round to like Tunis, and then it was overland by, uh, by truck. Mm. Um, and so I just had a mental image of, you know, the trucks at the end of Raiders Lost Ark going along. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wonder... down, down, down dust dusty roads you know i wonder if but they no- left these pod races pod racers there in tunisia like are they i don't know like that you could you have to you spend two million dollars to transport them there after that you don't need them so they could it, it still se- be there it it yeah it, see, it seems like that would be like a production cost that isn't necessary like we'll just abandon them there if someone wants to take them and create a pod race museum let them do it yeah they could still uh, be there because, of course, they were meant to be on these repulsor lifts, you yeah. see. But these these nine were actually just on like metal stands, which then they digitally removed. But they could still be there on their stands right now, couldn't they? You, know? <laughs> you need one of these Star Wars archaeologists to go yeah. out and find them because it wasn't just those nine. The other pod racers that were in that in that scene um, were full size uh, flat wooden cutouts. Hmm. So, far off in the distance, and they could still be there. You never know. Somebody might have cut them up and turned them into, you know, a a shed. Yeah, I mean, the locals. The locals are like, yeah, I don't care about Star Wars. I need something. I need a roof for my. I need somewhere to put my chickens. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, (laughs) so yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if if you were to go there and and see like some sort of pod racer on as as a goat shed or something because wasn't that the case with a new hope they when they went back for the prequels and somebody one of the locals in in the in in the town there had used doors from the mos eisley cantina on their house they had taken it yeah there there were were different things where where some of the domes were were repurposed as, as other things and yeah, yeah, that's the, that that's that's the famous story from that from from Star Wars. 
And this is what I love about practical effects over CGI. You you, you can have things like that happen. You wouldn't have that with a load of pixels, would you? <laughs> no. All right. Well, that's all the behind the scenes done. So um, it's been a while since you were on the show, Tim, but you know what comes next. You've got to rate it out of 10. Okay. Um, uh, for 19.99, this this would be very close to a 10. Uh, but uh, I'm rating it now, I have to mark it a little lower just because we've gone a little further in in some respects so i'm going to rate it at a at a at a seven and a half okay. um there there most of it is brilliant there are a couple little things here or there that 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 sort of date it uh and then there are a couple things that are like uh maybe they, that, that probably shouldn't have been there in the to begin with but overall overall i i think i think it's a wonderful sequence i think it's a wonderful study in editing and sound design and edit and sound editing. Um, so this is, this is the kind of scene that I think students really should be paying attention to mm. uh, whether again, whether or not they like the movie or whether or not they even like star Wars. I think that this is a wonderfully put together scene, but, but for, if we're talking effects, um, I, I put it, a, I put it at a seven and a half. Well, I am stunned and amazed because there's no way that I would have predicted that I would actually rate this higher than you. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually higher than you. Oh, um, wow. Um, the rating I give it is the rating I would have given it, you know, Christ, it, it was 1999, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, 20 years. 20 years ago. We're Jeez. coming up next. We're coming up on, what, two months from now it'll be. Yeah. Oh, wow. good grief. Yeah. Oh, good grief. So that newspaper cutting I've got upstairs is 20 years old. Good God. Um, no, the rating I, I would have given it 20 years ago is the rating I give it now, which is, which is an eight. Okay. Because okay. um, uh, it is by far the best part of the film for me um, and, and holds up today. Yeah, there's some cutesy bits I, 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 don't, I don't like and Jabba looks terrible. But the actual race itself, um, yes, like you just said there, I mean, I, I mean it's, it's a textbook bit of filmmaking to show to a student. This is how you pace a, a film. This is how you edit a film. Um, this is where you hold back on the music and leave it to the right moment, you know. Um, mm -hmm. So I give it an eight. You give it a seven and a half. So it's a 7.75. Okay. Hey. Okay. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we finally got round to the prequels. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, that's a good sequence. I, I, I was thinking before you uh, um, joined us today, I was like, what what could we else do in the prequels? Because after after this, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I'll have to have a think about it, and I'll have to have you back for that as well, all right? Yeah, most of the other prequel things would be... I mean, there, there, are, there, are, some, there are some things. There's... Uh, you could do the 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 lightsaber fight scene on the uh, on, on the lava on Mustafar. Yeah, there's mm -hmm. that. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. What else? Yes, that exactly. It really stands out. I mean, See, this, in in Attack of the Clones. Uh, See, right, 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 right now in this moment, Tim. This this illustrates to me the difference between the prequels and the originals. Is yeah. if I say to you, name a standout special effect in Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes Back, New Hope, you've got it straight away. You are struggling to think of one, aren't you, in the prequel? Well, because they're what not it is that is, memorable. 
what what it is 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 a lot of it is 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 strictly digital and there's not a lot of variety no when you get into two and three two and three are basically you know you pull out your commodore 64 you type in zeros and ones and lo and behold there it is that's the that's the uh, the fight scene uh the the outs you know between uh Django Fett and and uh, Obi-Wan so there's there's some of, there's some of that mm. um but they're not memorable. I mean, just no. now, I, I, just then, what popped in my head is the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. That big battle and the crashing of the ship, you know, and you watch it and you go, oh, technically that's good. But you're not engaged by it. You're not thrilled by it. It's like, hmm. Mm, well, it, it really is. It's, it's, like, it's like watching a Pixar movie. And mm. um, so everything is blurred. And so, yeah, you, it doesn't stand out because you just assume... Computers, 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 yeah. um, and and you, yeah, it does. It doesn't excite uh, no. the way that e- even 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 uh, this one does um, in episode one. Um, yeah, have you have you done this? This isn't a Star Wars. Have you done? Uh, um, was it a young Sherlock Holmes where he fights the the pool no. cues? No, no, no. That's a, that, that that's an interesting one. That that's no, no, one that... that's one to consider in the future. No, I'll tell you what. Should we do that for our next one? Next time you're on this, should we do Young Sherlock Holmes? Yeah, it, it's been it's been it literally been decades since I've seen that movie. Ditto, ditto. And I'd have to see if I could even find it. Um, <laughs> I was just thinking that that just popped into my head when I was talking when when you said something unique, and then all of a sudden that popped into my head, and I was like, the pool cue guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I don't even know if that ever, has ever had a Blu-ray release. Yeah, or DVD release. We'll I don't to, know. It's a long time. On a, on a future, on a future, uh, a future episode. Yeah. yeah, we'll have to do that. All right. We well, we we have to we have to find another terrible movie to do. Uh, all right. If you want to do a terrible one, um, I'll tell you what. You think of a terrible one, and we'll do that. All right. <laughs> don't mention seen, it now. Have you seen the Arrival by with Charlie Sheen? No. I don't think anybody else has that. That might not be a good one. All right. Okay. <laughs> Have a ponder and let me know, all right? Yeah, we'll think of something. All right. Okay. Well, thank you very much for today, Tim. It's good speaking to you again. It's yeah. been far too long. Yeah. Hopefully it won't be right. this long between now and the next one. No, it won't be. It won't be. All right. Okay. Cheers then, matey. All right. Thank you. Speak to you next time. Bye-bye.
Hello and welcome to one. <laughs> oh, start again. Hello and welcome to episode one hundred and one hundred and seven. Can't say it. 